Hello, and welcome to Sensing Niku. I'm Emma, a Niku mum, a peer support volunteer, and a secondary school teacher. In this podcast, I'll be chatting to people who have experienced neonatal care, mums and dads, friends and families, doctors and nurses, people who, in any capacity, understand the scary, emotional, uplifting, and sometimes devastating journey that time spent on NICU can be. Using the five senses, we will explore the thoughts and feelings that encompass the experience, accessing memories formed by sight, smell, touch, taste, and sound that may have, until now, been locked away. This week, I'll be chatting to Kelly, who, at just 12 weeks pregnant, was given a poor prognosis for her daughter, Laurel. Laurel was diagnosed with congenital scoliosis, a VSD, and a major exomphalus, meaning her stomach, liver, and bowel were growing on the outside of her abdomen. Okay, Kelly, thank you so much for getting in touch and uh, and volunteering to come on the podcast. As soon as I read your email, I thought, yes, this is a story that's got to be heard. Uh, so thank you. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Thank you for having me. Uh, oh, no worries at all. Um, so we'll, we'll just dive straight in there. Can you tell us how your NICU journey began, please? Yeah, of course. Um, so our NICU journey sort of started at a 12-week scan, really. Um, we went expecting everything to be absolutely fine, um, hadn't had any complications up to then. Um, and then when we had the scan, our daughter, or well, then we didn't know, but was diagnosed with um, an exomphalus. Um, okay. So we was told... Well, we was told there that um, she had some of her organs were outside in the cord still. Um, and we quite naively was like, oh, you know, that sounds okay. I'm sure there'll be an operation. She'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the sonographer went on to say that she also had deformity of her spine. Um, so, of course, you know, spinal issues, they sort of straight away ring alarm bells. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, we were shown into a separate room. I remember obviously having to go to the bathroom because obviously not being allowed to go to the toilet yeah. before a 12 yeah. week scan and just, yeah, I just felt so, so many emotions um, mm-hmm. and anger being quite a surprising one. Um, and yeah, just, yeah, felt distraught for our baby really. Um, I remember saying, are they going to make me have a termination? And the answer was, it will be up to the fetal medicine consultant. So, right. yeah, we left, you know, that day just completely broken, really. And we just had to wait um, for the other hospital to get in touch to go see a fetal medicine consultant. Right. Um, luckily, we only had to wait two days before we got to see them. Um, and they diagnosed, um, so what is an exomphalus and laurels as class as major because it has stomach liver and bowel all outside of the cord um there was still a query spina bifida but she also has congenital scoliosis um they also picked up on a vsd which is a heart defect um and then because of some signs that they were seeing they was querying edwards syndrome um and obviously that's clusters incompatible with life um so we was advised or offered 
a CVS, so which is like a biopsy of the placenta um, to see because with exomphalus, it's quite linked to other chromosomal conditions. Right. Um, yeah, luckily that come back sort of negative. Um, right. So there wasn't sort of any reason of why this had occurred. Um, and then, yeah, throughout the pregnancy, it was pretty much every week we had scans, um, uh, some echoes of Laurel's heart to monitor her heart defect um, and also with specialists from Great Ormond Street. Um, I had an MRI scan when I was uh, just over 22 weeks. They had to wait till, but it was an MRI scan to look at Laurel's spine, which is amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, because they was concerned that she'd be paralyzed from the chest down. Um, and I think that was one of the hardest because, you know, before you get pregnant, you discuss, mm. you know, if things happened with baby and what you do. But then when you're in that position, I was so scared if if the MRI come back to say that she was paralysed. I mean, how do you make that decision? It, mm. You know, you want your child to have a good quality of life, but you've already been with them for nearly like six months. And yeah. especially when you get to see her every week. <laughs> yeah. Know, really, that bond was so strong. Um, we was extremely lucky because we had the same fetal medicine consultant throughout our whole pregnancy, which okay. yeah made such a difference. Um, so she explained to us that Laurel did have a big fight on her hands. Um, and then three weeks before the planned cesarean date, um, her exomphalus had nearly doubled in size again. Um, and then we was took into a room with the neonatologist and told that she may not be able to survive when she was born because it's quite common for the lungs not to be able to develop. Um, and looking back now, you think, how do you cope? But it was just yeah. because you kept getting this news, you were just sort of like, okay. Um, we was very positive. I just felt like she was going to be okay. Um, so, yeah, she... The major thing for me was trying to keep her in and safe mm -hmm. <laughs> because obviously she'd have a much better chance. And she did. She stayed put. Um, so at 38.5, I had a planned, it's called a classical cesarean. So the incision they make, so they cut you vertically from the belly button down. Um, okay. And that was to try and prevent any um, damage to Laurel's exomphalus because if it ruptures when she's born, um, you know, the likelihood of her surviving would have been very low. Um, because we knew she'd be in NICU, we knew as soon as she was born, we wouldn't get to hold her. We knew she'd be taken straight from NICU. Um, and yeah, so it's just to add to our story. So she was in NICU overall for 13 weeks. Um, and right. we was very fortunate that there was charity accommodation. Uh, so for the first six weeks, while she was sort of classed as, you know, critically ill, um, we was allowed to stay on site at the hospital, which, yeah. again, makes such a huge difference when you can be close. Yeah, yeah. The thought of, yeah, many times, like the thought of having to go home, I just knew that I couldn't. I'd have had to just sleep in a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that's how we ended up at NICU. <laughs> Thank 
thank you for for sharing that we can we can just move on to our senses now so we tend to start with sound um this might be um songs you associate conversations or just general sounds that stick in your head from your time on niku over to you thank you so i've tried to make a few little notes on like some positive and some sort of you know distressing memories as well so it's not all bad (laughs) um but yeah when I was thinking about this although obviously the big one what everyone always says is the beeping of the monitors um I had worked in a hospital before so that wasn't as big a concern to me um but obviously the crash alarm um Mm. was really no matter who it was on the unit, as soon as you heard that alarm, you just couldn't help but well up because you knew what that baby and that family are going through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's horrible. Yeah. Um, You're the first person to, to mention oh. that, actually, and which is, now I think of it, it's surprising because, gosh, yeah, like you mm. say, it's it's the worst. Even thinking about it now has made me feel a little bit, yeah. oh, you know, giving me goosebumps a bit. Yeah, sorry. And I, I remember on. even, you know, sitting in the parents' room when we have mm. our little parent chats and it going off and automatically you're like, is that my baby? Yeah. And then everyone's mm. looking, is that their baby? And yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? And then I was thinking, oh, I hated when Laurel was ventilated. Um, So like when she had lots of secretions, so, you know, like all oh. the sort of, drool sort of sits at the back of their throat and that really and she needed a suction and obviously it was one-to-one nursing but sometimes if that nurse was there making up the medication I'd be like she needs a suction she needs a suction now you know and I was getting really panicky that she wouldn't be able to breathe and it's that horrible I suppose that sense of you can't do anything um that sort of loss of control I know other people have picked up as well, like when she then got moved on CPAP, like that constant, yeah. it's quite a loud, like whooshing noise, continuous. And you don't notice so much until it gets turned off. Yes. And then you're like, wow, that was loud. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, some of the others, so we're talking about conversation, um, like conversations and things. Mm. And the nursing staff, I loved our nursing, well, all the staff on the NICU, um and obviously all the the greatest intentions are there but like repeatedly saying like oh you should go for a break have some time away from the unit and you're like I don't want to leave (laughs) yes (laughs) so you know I know they're really trying to help um but yeah it was sometimes like I don't want to go anywhere a couple of others I thought of um again which seemed really silly but Oh. like the bin lid so they have like the metal yeah. bins and they're so loud and when like you know laurel was like i wanted her to be as comfortable as possible yeah. you know and sleep in and then all you'd hear is like crash and yeah. you're just like shh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bin lid. um but some positive sounds um okay we was always told to expect her not to cry at all when she was born and she actually did so that was Aww. a really big shock um and then obviously she was then intubated immediately in the theater but yeah so that was really nice um and then a song there was one I think it was whilst I was pregnant but um Jess Glynn I'll be there and so it's like being about being there for you um throughout so yeah I remember that one 
Shall we move on to taste then? So any foods uh, that you like or dislike because of your experience? Yeah, well, mine was more, I mean, anyone that knows me <laughs> knows I like my food. <laughs> um, but then when I was in NICU, I mean, some of the parents call it the NICU diet because you just don't eat really no um and I found as well we couldn't eat um like a baby's cot side so it was only really when I went to the expressing room um so that was really the only time I sort of ate much um and then like my husband would come in um and like sort of after a short time it'd be like okay what we're gonna have for lunch and what we're gonna have dinner um and I just really didn't want to go and I did say to him the other night you know that I I sort of resented him for it and I because I felt like if anything happened to Laurel whilst I was away I would just never forgive him or myself for going and for the first time I think in my life food did just become a sort of necessity because I had to one of the brilliant nurses on the unit um she was also like a feeding support lead um she used to host a it's called cake and chat session every Thursday um oh. so all the parents so it was you know mums and dads were invited and it was just in the parents room and she used to make homemade scones or oh. different cakes and bring them in and we just it used to be you know a sort of hour where you just knew oh every Thursday at 10 you go into yeah. the parents room and just get to speak to other parents and right you know when you're on the unit that is the unit becomes your life Mm -hmm. you know your social life and the staff your family and the parents you know you can connect with them so much even though Laurel um was obviously full term most of our you know sort of like NICU friends were very um early preterm but yeah I didn't ever feel any different because we was all sharing that experience together they do have like an M&S but obviously that gets pricey when you're there for 13 weeks of just always buying yeah. M&S food um but yeah we I would go in the evenings when we were staying on site um mm-hmm. and yeah like they had certain cookies which are good or like <laughs> cheese cheese crackers and uh, just buy sort of loads of random stuff really Okay, so let's move on to smell now. Anything that reminds you of your experience? Yeah, so um, (laughs) I'd say like stomach bile um, because (laughs) like most babies, Laurel was on an NG tube. um, But because of obviously like with her exomphalus, she just wasn't able to absorb like any breast milk. um, Okay. So I did find myself, especially looking back, that you become obsessed with, you know, how much they were able to give her and then aspirate. And, I mean, she was started, you know, on one mil um, and it just wouldn't work for weeks, really. Um, And then they were pulling back, you know, like it's like the pure green bile. Um, And then sometimes it would be like what they call coffee ground vomit. So it's like old digested blood and then like on the odd occasion there'd be fresh blood and obviously which mm. would make you really panic yeah um but yeah that bile obviously it's got that real acidic smell yeah. 
I don't know if you ever used it, but they always like gave out the sunflower oil on the units, like to oh, right. no. to massage into baby's skin oh, as well right. to try and protect. Um, and then the final one was um, often trying to go for a walk at night just around like the hospital campus, but there was yeah. luckily a field nearby. Um, and because we we don't live like in the city, so mm. I think we found that quite hard because we was obviously there all the time living there. Um, so it's just nice to try and get some fresh air when you could yeah. get away. Yeah. And then another, um, which is more of a positive, <laughs> right. is um, I used to have like a chaplain come. Um, right. They'd come on to the unit to see everyone because, you know, they wasn't just um, so religious or any certain faith. It was just to yeah. offer support to anyone. Um, and she always, yeah, smelled really lovely. Oh. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> But then it was sort of really positive. But then I remember the first time she offered, she asked me if I wanted to her to say a prayer for Laurel with me. Mm. And I remember just like standing there with her and like my eyes were streaming because mm. as lovely and so nice as I found it, it's like in the back of my head I was thinking, is this because she's not going to survive? Like yeah. does, I don't know, has she been asked to come or does she yeah. feel um that Laurel needs this prayer and yeah it was I remember that really vividly that feeling of like please don't take my baby (laughs) we can move on to site now now again this might be photographs that that you've got it might be images that are in your head that that's have stuck there it might even be uh films or television programs that you associate with that time yeah um so i remember the first one would be probably when she was born so when we're still in theater obviously i didn't even get shown laurel when she was born um right. i had two obstetricians and literally took her out and, you know, went to the NICU um, staff. And I remember just, like, laying there with my head to the side watching them, but they were all, like, huddled round. Um, they were resuscitator, like, obviously working on her. And mm. you're, you're just laying there thinking, is she okay? Like, is anyone going to tell me if she's all right? Is anyone going to... Um, and it felt like forever, when it was probably, I don't know, a minute maybe. Um yeah. And then actually I did find out at a lot later date um, that she did actually need to be resuscitated. So, mm. you know, it's probably good that I didn't know there and then. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's still not nice when you think back to that. But, um, and then after that would be, um, obviously Laurel went off to theatre and then I needed to have stitches and staples and stuff and then went to, like, the um, close ops recovery unit um and my husband got to go up to NICU to see her yeah um and I remember he come in to see me like to obviously feedback how she was and um yeah he was really like in floods of tears because she'd had an x-ray mm. done um and like he was just saying how bad her spine looked um luckily 
when you see her now, you wouldn't really, when you look at her x-ray, you wouldn't ever think that's her spine. But, okay. you know, it is, the, the x-ray does look a lot worse than, you know, how she looks. Right. Um, and yeah, it was, yeah, really bad at the bottom. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was horrible, really. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I'd say there was two, like, really scary times. One was her exomphalus is all um, bandaged up and then it's suspended um, by like an arm that comes over the incubator because it has to keep the pressure off her lungs all the time. Yeah. So she okay. had that suspended. So she had to lay flat on her back for the first nine weeks. Um, and when she was only a few weeks old or less, um, the bandage, there was all like a green liquid all around the bottom um, and then I pointed it out and then like so one of the doctors, you know what it's like, and then a few more doctors and then the surgical team come and then I heard them say, oh, can we get a cross match? And I knew, well, that means that they want blood for her. Yeah. And I was like, why do we need a cross match? And they was like, oh, we might have to take her to theatre now. You know, her exomphalus might have ruptured, so she might oh, need emergency gosh. surgery. And I just remember being like standing there watching everyone like, oh. <laughs> I'd say the worst, yeah, my absolute worst sight memory was um, when she becomes septic um, Mm. at, yeah, like two and a half weeks old. Um, And I remember she, oh, yeah, and then she just got so swollen and she looked again. That morning she was fine and then by the afternoon she just looked absolutely awful and I know it sounds really terrible, but I actually got a photo just to sort of look back on, see how yeah. poorly she was. Yeah. And um, I remember then they was obviously sort of like having to hold her down. So we're trying to get extra lines and that in. Um, and I remember her looking at me and I really felt like she was saying, why aren't you helping me, mum? Like, why are you just standing there? I really felt she was just looking straight into my eyes. Yeah, and I'll, I'll never forget that. Like you're saying about things you watch on TV or um and it's really weird because when I was in NICU in the expressing room, because again that's the only sort of time you then have away, um, I was reading like this series of books which were like really intense thrillers, which were like so okay. scary for me. I would <laughs> never read because I'm scared of everything. <laughs> Um, and everything gives me nightmares. So, but I think I just really needed something intense to take my mind. A distraction. Just for that. Yeah. Well, the, it's hours and hours you spend expressing. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, just to have a bit of a distraction. Um, and other positive things were like, um, so with her exomphalus, the main aim, well, usually they operate within 48 hours of being born. But okay. as Laurel's was so big, I mean, she's she'll be free in June and she still hasn't been operated on now um, because of the size. But um, the surgical specialist nurses used to come three times a week to do all her dressings and okay. they were so brilliant. They always let me stay. If, um, like, if I was in the expressing room, they'd send a nurse in to come get me so I could watch. They were really good. 
and um, it was really good for me to see the skin growth because then right. that's what you're aiming for the skin to grow over so that you can finally get home <laughs> and then the final one was a video which was just pure luck that I caught it but I was laying right. like my head on the side of her because that's the one really positive thing with Laurel being full term she never had to have the incubator like lid on as such right okay <laughs> um, yeah. because obviously she could maintain her temperature yeah so that was what was nice she was in like an incubator just the bottom half cot yeah um and I remember I was sort of laying there next to her and I kept sticking my tongue out at her, her and then she just did it back to me and I was just <laughs> you know on the videos and you're like you're just oh. so absolutely amazed oh um, my gosh that's lovely I've got a really good photo of when she was first born um, because usually so an exomphalus so the organs are in the cord um, right. so obviously the cord's usually quite thick and acts as a membrane but um, Laurel's obviously where it's so stretched it's just completely see-through so you can see all her organs um, right. and then what they did when she was first immediately born was wrapped it in clean film so right. you can still see everything. So I've got a good photo like that because yeah. then obviously it was all in dressing for yeah. the rest of the time. But I I remember just never feeling shocked or surprised by it. So this is this is the biggie really, I think, for everybody, isn't it? Touch. So I'll just hand over to you. Yeah. Um, so again, I'll start with the. Um, so it sort of links up to when I was saying earlier about with the sepsis. But um, so we was really surprised that Laurel actually managed to come off the ventilator at nine days old. Okay. Um, but that only lasted for four days, <laughs> and then that was the day when yeah she just yeah changed. Um, she went really downhill quickly. Um, and that's when they was querying, obviously, sepsis and got her back on the ventilator. Um, yeah, and obviously then um, she had sort of like all the alkalosis and then she got really bad edema um, and she was so swollen. I mean, she could barely open her eyes. And I remember like there was one night where like me and my husband sat in the charity accommodation and um, just like completely physically hurt. And that was the first time I've ever had like physical pain from emotional pain because mm. we just didn't know. And I remember my husband said, because my dad was asking to come again, but the only problem was in NICU. I don't know if it's the same for you, but um, one parent had to be there at all times. And obviously yeah. when she was really poorly, um, if like my dad come then Sean couldn't be there as well mm -hmm. so it was hard to sort of say no and I remember like Sean saying oh I think your dad wants to come again because he thinks maybe it could be the last time of seeing oh, her gosh. and I just yeah that that moment of sitting on the bed he sat on one bed I sat on the other because they were single beds yeah and yeah. like just like thinking yeah, just, I don't know, because through the pregnancy, you throughout our pregnancy, we were so focused on keeping her in and then mm -hmm. making it to birth and then hoping it should survive birth. You didn't really think much further. No. <laughs> it was just sort of get to that point 
And then, so then she did so well. That first nine days was like amazing. Oh, she's off the ventilator. And then to suddenly like, whoa, Mm -hmm. actually maybe we got a bit too complacent Um, and how things quickly can change. Yeah. Yeah, that's a horrible time. So the first hold, obviously what everyone always says. I was, again, very fortunate because I could touch Laurel whenever I wanted because she was in an open incubator. So that was one real big difference. Um, We were told not to expect a hold for a long time. Um, So I just took that in my stride, really. I knew throughout pregnancy I wouldn't be able to hold her. So I'd got it into my head. And then when she was a month old, uh, one of the sisters on the unit was like, oh, we're going to speak to the surgeon and ask him. And I was like, really? Um, surgeon come, <laughs> said, no, it's not possible. Aww. So it's like, oh, okay. And then the sister and one of the neonatologists were like, we're going to make it happen anyway. Um, and they did. So it was completely unexpected. So Sean wasn't even there. It was just Aww. me. Um but yeah, they managed to sit me so close to the incubator that they could stretch the arm so it would still keep her exomphalus suspended. Right. So it wouldn't obviously be crushing her. Um, so yeah, and yeah, obviously just completely elated, really. Things like that, you know, with the staff really went out their way. Um, and whilst I'm on staff, like I put with touch, like hugs from staff because I probably Aww. had them daily. Yeah. Um, and I will say I I love the NICU staff so much. They were my biggest support, mm-hmm. source of support throughout my whole journey. And I just absolutely missed them so much when I left the unit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quite nice now because some of the work I do, well, I link in with the NICU, so I get yeah. to see them again. Um, yeah, which is lovely because they really do become like part of your family so much absolutely so the day after Laurel was born that night I was still on the postnatal ward mm-hmm. um obviously waiting for them to let me go to the accommodation and obviously I've never I've never been in hospital um mm. in my life so being then on my own um yeah was And then when you're on your own, you start to think. And I just really, I was really struggling. And I was, you know, you get that feeling of, oh, will they mind if I go there? And it was um, about 2 a.m. and I went to the unit. When I think back, I was in my pyjamas. I had some slippers I'd bought for the unit, uh, for hospital and a dressing gown. And I walked in straight away, you know, they let you in. And I remember walking in and just bursting into tears. And one of the nurses who's lovely like straight away cuddled me oh how about you know you change Laurel's nappy do you want me to help you and show you how to do that and you know I was just and then I left there like completely different mood knowing I could go back to my room go to sleep um I mean when you have got to leave even leaving your baby to go to the other ward Mm-hmm. if you know that they're with staff that you can absolutely trust and you know that I felt like the staff loved her um not that it was just part of their job it 
please tell us how's Laurel doing now? Yeah, so she's doing great. She would, I mean, so I said she'll be free in June. Um, so yeah, we're now May. Um, yes. Oh my goodness. So next month. Next month. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, to see her, you just think she's a completely normal crazy toddler um the thing is obviously she knows no different she's always had this big bump um and it's still dressed it has to be dressed all the time um so in like some certain dressing types and then it's bandage it goes around it's on and then round her back twice Um, and then she has a compression belt so to try to help squeeze it in a bit really to get her ready for surgery um so, you know, for her, she just wants to climb and jump off the sofa arm, yeah. founder on the yeah. windowsill, you know, oh she just wants to, but it's me who then has the anxiety because, yeah, yeah she doesn't understand that her liver is right at the front of her tummy <laughs> and it's still see-through. Yeah. My biggest fear is she can live completely normal life the way she is um, and obviously like any parent I just worry about putting her through surgery mm-hmm. um when obviously it is needed um but yeah you you just obviously worry about the worst yeah, outcomes don't you of course you <laughs> um, do, absolutely yeah it's such a, a tricky one but I'm sure mm. I'm sure with the advice of the professionals and everything it'll be the right yeah and she's definitely in the best hands Okay, Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's it's something that I hadn't heard of uh, before you got in touch. So I'm really hopeful and positive that uh, your, you sharing your story is going to raise awareness. And that's exactly what the aim is of the podcast. So thank you so much for sharing stories. No, thank you for having me and thank you for doing this. It's yeah, brilliant for other parents and staff alike oh well it's a pleasure hopefully it it will make even a tiny difference (laughs) okay thank you thank you that's all for today so thank you for listening please don't forget to rate review and subscribe if you think you'd like to be a guest on the podcast you can get in touch via email at sensingniku at gmail.com and why not follow us on twitter at sensingniku To read about my IVF and NICU journey, feel free to take a look at my blog, Head of Drama, Tales of Teddy. Finally, if you'd like to show support for families experiencing neonatal care, please consider donating to Spoons, a charity very close to my heart. Any amount will be so greatly appreciated. Links to both my blog and the Spoons website can be found in the episode description. Thanks again for listening and take care. See you later.